0: I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Lisa Erickson. I have struggled, or maybe found challenging, the art of meditation. That's why I'm glad to have Lisa Erickson on the program today to have a conversation about that. Lisa is an energy worker specializing in women's energetics, and sexual trauma healing her primary work is chakra based incorporating guided visual and somatic exercises for gently healing and transforming obstructive energetic and emotional patterns we touch on that today but we primarily touch on like what meditation can do for you there's lots to really dig into here and i'm i'm excited to have her on the program i've been holding on to this episode for a while it's time to release it to you so here we go a productive conversation with lisa erickson enjoy So I'm holding on to the art and science of meditation, uh, how to deepen and personalize your practice. And uh, when I was messaging with you leading up to our conversation, which took a while for us to kind of make happen, largely scheduling on my end, that's for sure, um, was that this is I've read several books on meditation. Obviously, there's <laughs> lots of, uh, you know, there's courses all that this this book, and, and I, I I wasn't just blowing smoke when I when I told you this. This is by far to me the the deepest explanation. I wouldn't even say a primer, but it it definitely dives into again the art and science of meditation more than anything I've I've ever read. Which when I when I when I dig into something like this, it makes me want to dive in more. Was that one of the intentions of when you put this book together? Like I want people who are either already practicing because you do allude to this at the beginning of the book, like people who are already practicing and also those who are like dabbling in it or know Mm -hmm. that it's something. Was that really one of the intents is like if I if I put this out there, the excitement factor of somebody really getting an understanding of it is going to help them, you know, cultivate this this practice.
1: Absolutely. And I'm really excited to hear you say that it had that effect for you because it definitely, I mean, there's a lot of books out there in meditation. There's a lot of primers and there's a lot of books that focus on one branch of meditation. And what I was trying to do here is create a resource that kind of covered it all and give give people a sense of how much deeper you can go meditation for stress management, meditation for health, meditation for personal development, meditation for spiritual growth, right? Whatever direction you want to go, there's more, there's more, there's more. It's, it's a lifelong practice.
0: One of the, one of the things that, that I loved right out of the gate and as I'm going through my notes here was um, it's not, it's not a how-to book, you say. This is not a how-to book in the sense of instructions for how to meditate. My assumption is you already meditate and are looking for ways to modify or enhance your practice. One of the things that I appreciate about that is that um writing a how-to book on meditation I think would be very challenging. Don't you think? Like because of what you just mentioned. Um this seems more like a a nice combination of here's some here are some things you should try and here's why. Mm-hmm. We, you know, what when we dig into this, why is meditation such a valuable um, habit or ritual for someone to, Mm. to forge and then foster?
1: Well, it just has a variety of benefits. And part of the reason I took the approach that I did is because which style of meditation, which form of meditation might be the most effective for you or that you might like the most really depends on what you're trying to get from it or right. what you're dealing, what your initial goals are. And those might, may change over time, but I'll hear from people a lot. Oh yeah. I tried meditation. It's not for me. Right. Well, what kind of meditation did you try? Because there's thousands, right? Yep. So maybe there's one that you do like, and what were you hoping to get from it? Right. What were your expectations? And I think there isn't enough conversation around that. Just from a basic health perspective, for most people, even a very minimal meditation practice has a lot of benefits for your health because it helps you create some space between your reactive emotions and mind. That's the basics. Every style of meditation does that. And even if you get just a little bit of benefit from that, it has tremendous benefits in your life.
0: When I was reading the book Creative Quest by Questlove, there's this thing I keep Mm. coming back to. And his idea of micro meditations. So this mm-hmm. is this is this is an interesting. Uh, when, whenever I'm talking to somebody about the idea of journaling, which I think is a, mm-hmm. is also a meditative practice of sorts, we're not going to get into that so much. But this idea of when people want to take on a habit of this magnitude, they're like, uh, "I want to meditate for 20 minutes a day." Like they mm-hmm. they start there. Do you think that that's a wise way to get going into it? Because mm-hmm. I mean, my, from my personal experience. I'm the type of person that likes to go, I like to put all the chips in, you know, I like to be Mm -hmm. the one that goes all in, but I know that if I say I'm going to do 20 minutes of meditation a day and I've never meditated before, at least when I first started, there was no way I could do it. Like it Mm -hmm. just, it was just, uh, it, to me, it seems like the, whatever type of meditation you choose, there's probably a best practices for adoption. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I absolutely agree and I know where that 20 minutes a day comes from because there's a lot of research that says that is the point at which you can get clearly medically recognized benefits, right? So Uh, people do that number a lot and I even have that number in the book at some point, you know, because there is that number out there, but you can get a lot of benefits without the 20 minutes a day and it's so important with any, when you're trying to develop any new habit that you set realistic goals because we all know the New York, the New Year's resolution path, right? Of setting a goal, inspired, it falls off the cliff, you feel bad about yourself, you hate that, you hate meditation for life, right? You label yep. yourself a non-meditator, that's not what we're trying to do. So I do like the idea of micro-meditation, to me that's essentially mindfulness, yep. which even in the classic texts is always the companion to meditation. There's meditation on the cushion, there's mindfulness off the cushion, they tie together, you know?
0: Um, one of the things that that so he brought up this idea of like whenever he feels like you said he feels like things are getting overwhelming or mm-hmm. things are or he needs to make a uh, or he's stuck and he needs to make a decision. Those little moments of micro meditation seem to be helpful. Doctor Michael Bruce, who's been on the podcast before, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a wolf in his in the, the idea mm-hmm. of being a night owl, and one of the things that as you look at like the ideal time to meditate because he does talk about this in his mm-hmm. book is he said for wolves like do like short meditative bursts throughout the day are really helpful for those. And he goes also lay back on the caffeine because that's a big problem for, for wolves. So it, there's no one size fits all for this, which, that's which, le- which leads me to the question of why, do, why do, uh, why does so much out there that's in the mainstream seem to indicate that or lead people to believe that there is
1: yeah i don't know i think it's partially maybe meditation came up through some spiritual traditions and in those traditions there is a set path and so people are trying to remain true to that path and i respect that but it's really only relevant to people who are studying meditation for that particular goal right i think the other piece of it though is just the way marketing works these days And the nature of book marketing and prescriptive marketing is to have a position and to have a product you're selling, meaning this is it. This is the, (laughs) this (laughs) is the form. This is going to transform your life, you know? And I think meditation does transform your life, but it is, it's just like all the diets out there. Right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, actually there's a lot of uh, uh, certain diets work for certain people, right? There are, Low carb does work for some, keto does work for some, blood type works for some. Some of us, it's just good old fashioned, you know, watch what you eat um, and exercise more. So but everyone has to be marketed like it is the answer. So I think that has crept in a little bit to meditation instruction as well.
0: That you bring up a really good comparison when you talk about diet and nutrition, because a lot of people, when they go on a diet, which is the term go on a diet means that it's for a very short period of time to get the outcome that they would desire. But ultimately diet is a, it's a way of operating. It's a marathon, not a sprint and meditation. I mean, I can speak from my own experience of doing it. Um, And again, I've, I've never been as consistent as I would like to be with it. And we're going to get into that a little bit as to how Mm -hmm. you could do that. But it's a, it's 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 a commitment it's a lifestyle it's not mm-hmm. a sprint from you know th- it's not a 30 day sprint like you're going to do it like the whole 30 for 30 days and then you're done you can go back to the way you were mm-hmm. um you're also not necessarily going to recognize the outcomes right away i know right now as we're mm-hmm. recording this i'm really focused on walking like doing taking getting mm-hmm. all my steps in i'm doing some yoga i'm eating better to to mm-hmm. what you were discussing as well and what happens is, of course, you weigh yourself daily. Like That's one of the practices. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. Now I'm back. I've, I've gained a pound. Wait a minute. I should be losing. And at that point in time, that's where people will go, oh, you know what? This isn't working. What's the point? Yeah. Um, meditation works similarly, right? Because the results may – results, A, I would imagine, will vary, right? But then also, yeah. it, it's a, it's a long-form evolu- evolutionary change that's occurring, right, when you meditate.
1: That's right. Yeah, over time, it does change your brain patterns, but that takes time. And your experience of it day to day is largely going to depend on what is going on in your life, right? You can have a phase where... Every day, you know, you're really feeling peaceful, and you're like, ah, I've got it, you know, but then the next day, a bunch of stuff happens at work, and you get in a fight with your spouse, and then you're sitting there in meditation for the next five days, and that's all you're thinking about, and you're like, oh, this isn't doing me any good, see, when I really needed it, it didn't happen, but it did, there's still some loosening of that, you know, reactivity, you may just not experience it in your meditation so it is like dieting or exercise for that matter you have to be just sort of doing it day by day without expecting the result in that meditation session and trust there is this long-term change you know happening and that's why in the book I wanted to cover you know a little bit of the brain science there's whole books written on how the brain is changed by meditation you know most people don't really want to read a whole book on it um, but it's it is important to know that it triggers a process uh, in your brain that changes, but you have to be patient with that.
0: Well, what I like is that you 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 have integrated that into here. So yeah. it's not like it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's art and science, right? So it's not like right. it comes out of nowhere. but it's like, oh, so this is how the brain changes yeah. over time. And one of the things that I found with, especially this walking habit that I've adopted is, I feel weird when I don't go for a walk now. Yes. Like, does the
1: same thing happen with meditation? Like, does yes. your brain
0: just naturally crave it like it needs it?
1: Yes, act- absolutely. And there is, you know, there is this period of time at which a habit can develop, right? There's mm-hmm. research on how to develop a good habit. So obviously with walking, you at some point crossed over to where it became habitual and you actually feel off when you don't get it. And it's yeah. kind of the same with meditation. It takes a little bit of time to get to that place, right? So that is exactly what happens. It's sort of your reset. Uh, it's your reset button.
0: One of the things that came up for me in the book, and as a time management and productivity strategist, this is, this is spoke right to me was the consistency of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the same, for some reason, and I'd love for you to get into this. It did seem to me that it was important that the daily practice and you know we'll get into the idea of practice versus perfection um it did seem to me that it was integral or at least it seemed integral that the same practicing the same time every day would be far more beneficial than Mm -hmm. not is that the case or is it more is is it more preferential
1: you know it's really that piece of it meditating trying to meditate at the same day same same time same location every day, right, is really it, what habit research supports, okay. habit development research. It's really about that, that you then habituate your body and your mind to respond at that time of day in that location. Oh, here's what we're doing now, right? And so it's really about habit development as opposed to the benefits, Um some people don't need that, but it is a way to support habit development, any kind of habit development, actually. Right. When right. You repeat something at the same day, same, you know, time and in the same location day after day after day. And eventually it, it, it will just get ingrained uh, and you'll just do it automatically. And it doesn't become a matter of willpower anymore.
0: Um, another another so- quick, quick thought on that. Uh, so, when I, Again, I'll relate this back to my walking habit at this point is that I go for the same time and at the same time every day, but the route changes. So I don't mm-hmm. necessarily take the same route. Does mm-hmm. the same thing apply to like, can you, when, when it comes to meditation, um, and I know you go over several different types, is it, mm-hmm. is it fundamental to do the same type of meditation at that time? Or is this a period where once you're kind of, as you're locking in the habit, that's where the flexibility and the experimentation kind of comes in?
1: I think for me, yes. I okay. do think for some people, they like to really stick with one practice, and there are formal meditation traditions where you do the same practice your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. But then there are traditions where you really do uh, mix it up, and I find that that for me is sort of what I need. As soon as I'm doing one style for too long, uh, it becomes, I become desensitized to it in right. a way. Or my mind will be more likely to to check out. So trying then a new meditation re-engages my int- attention, right? So that is uh that's really the benefit of jumping around and that's and that's very individual. And it's sort of like you have to have certain elements you keep the same and certain elements you change. So it's interesting because I do the same route every day on my walk but I do vary the time because my schedule varies every day. But what I do is first thing in the morning as I'm going through my schedule, I decide when my walk window is every single day, right? Right, right. And that's what moves. So it's kind of like have certain things that are consistent and then you're then you able to play with the other elements. Trust. Yeah, trust
0: is really important here, right? Like the trust yeah. in the practice and the only way you can establish that trust is through consistency. And then back to the element of st- sustainability, which I think is probably mm-hmm. one of the reasons why, uh, you know, again, for me, walking was the key to get me to get me to start exercising more because it was something I could do. It, mm-hmm. there, there was less friction and more flow. Um, mm-hmm. And when you go over some of the practices in here, the idea of, um, you know, the, the the different mindsets that you can mm-hmm. go through where you can, I want to focus, I don't want to focus. Like, it's just such a fascinating it's not so cut and dried. I think a lot of people when they, you know, and uh, at least when I approached this was meditation was about relaxation and about, mm-hmm. com- you know, reducing stress and all that stuff, which I think is important. But the stuff that happens in the background is what I find, um, enlightening for lack of, no pun intended, but it's like that ability to say, oh, well it's like, I didn't find meditation initially relaxing. Right. Um, Because the pot, I wasn't used to sitting that way. I wasn't used to Mm -hmm. quieting the mind. And the other thing is, is that we're taught, and I'm going to say in a Western culture, we're taught that winning is what you do. You want to conquer it. And you can't conquer meditation. (laughs) Can we, can we like, let's, let's help people that are, the, the listener that's listening right now going, that's my struggle. Like I, I, I know it's called a practice and practice is, that's what you do. You just practice and practice and practice. When I come, when I talk about time crafting, it's like, you never will stop crafting your time until you no longer have time to craft. Right. That's the whole point. Um, the person that's trying to quote win meditation, even though that they may not be overtly trying to, how do you help them break through that bias of like, look, this is not something that you conquer. This is just something that you, that you are, are in.
1: Yeah. It's just something that you do. And the win is that you did it at all. And that's it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really where you have to try to get to, as opposed to, was it good or not? Did I feel relaxed or not? Because it is very much that expectation that it's only a good meditation if you felt relaxed that drives some people away from meditation because they don't experience that. Really, the the, if I had to name one thing that is the most valuable about meditation from a neuroscientific perspective, it's every time you pull your mind back, right? Mm -hmm. Your mind wanders, you pull it back. Your mind wanders, you pull it back. So if you have a meditation that's extremely busy and you pull your mind back a thousand times, That's actually great because that's what you're trying to build up. That is actually building this part of your brain that is linked to self awareness, right? That's the most valuable piece of it, right? So you can't say in a meditation where you were naturally peaceful and relaxed that that was more valuable or better than one where you pulled your mind back a lot. Mm -hmm. So you have to just, uh, you just have to let it go. You can assess, but, uh, because, because otherwise you wouldn't know, Oh, maybe I should try a different form tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can do it that way without trying to win at it. Right. So right. it's finding this right, this balance.
0: Right. Um, definitely don't
1: judge by the experience.
0: What's your, yeah. what's your go-to? Like, I mean, you mentioned that you like to, that you do shift from different style to different style. Um, what's the one that, you know, cause I think people have their, you know, old reliable, right? They're like, okay, well yeah. if I need to, I'm not going to, oh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, okay. You know what this is the one I'm comfortable with maybe yeah. to the point of complacency like you said you can get complacent with it too right but what's the one that's like your old standby like okay this is where I'm going to start and this is the yeah. one that I know I will do
1: a chakra meditation which is energy center meditation energy centers in the body because I also work as an energy healer that for me is the one that is my go-to meditation okay that is my go-to meditation but out in the in in my day it's going to be basic breath you know, slowing down my breath and mm-hmm. a, a, an elongated exhale because I'm a high, strong person. So in general, a normal inhale, an elongated exhale is relaxation breathing as opposed to drowsy misbreathing when you want to perk up is a, an elongated inhale mm-hmm. and a, a shorter exhale. So I definitely work with that, that breathing as a mindfulness practice throughout my day.
0: Can we talk about apps for a minute? I know you, sure. get, you get into it in the book. Yeah. And and, and well, and people love. Well, yeah, people love their apps. Right. And I mean, we come across this with to do list apps and things like that all the time where it's like, well, if I use this to do list app, then I'm going to get a lot more done, which is akin to saying, you know, if I buy all this great food, then I'm going to lose weight. Right. Or if I go to the gym, you know, I mean, it's there's more to it than that. You can't just um, I, for the longest time, used the Muse headband, which I still Mm -hmm. own but I will probably not be, I have not used it in a long time because mm. for the very reason I just mentioned, I was feeling like I was trying to hear the birds
1: mm. that,
0: that chirp in. And I don't know if you ever used the headband before. No, I haven't tried it. So what it is, is it, 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 it and again, I, I don't have any um knowledge to, to support this or not, or dispute it, but it says, you know, it reads your, it can kind of read what's going on mm. and then uh, the calmer your mind is, the more you will hear birds chirping, right? And then the more, and the the waves crash louder if you don't, there's a whole bunch of different areas there. But my brain was kind of like, I want to hear the birds. But the problem was, if you tried to hear the birds, guess what? You wouldn't hear them because you were actively trying to. So I think that was the the principle behind it. But the problem was, is that I didn't consider a session to be a success unless I heard some birds. And I'm like, right. you know what? I don't the letting go was great. Like I, I could bring things back, bring things back. And most sessions ended up like that. Um, to, So one day I tried to just do it without, right. Without the app. And I felt because I had used the app, I was able to do it. I don't mm-hmm. know that I would have been able to before. And I think that's one interesting thing about what an app can do is mm-hmm. it offers that support system, like that yeah. structure when you need it. But you also have some thoughts, and I totally agree with them in the book, about the idea of like, but with meditation, it's not like tasks where you want reminders. <laughs> you want to be able to get, like, there's some, there are fundamental elements to meditation that technology can kind of disrupt, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the example you gave is a great use of an app maybe for a temporary period of time to create a new mindset. Right. I think also people that use guided meditations, it gives them an opportunity to try many different things and create a rotation of different guided meditations that may work for them for different purposes. And the third place where it can be useful is that little endorphin hit, we get a reward yep. When you're in the habit formation stage, so if you're like, I'd like to develop a daily meditation practice, then that sort of little reward system that that app is going to give you when you log in that you did it or, you know, depending on the app, that really is useful. We are reward driven, our, our nervous system and our neural network development is really linked to reward. So it's really useful for this period of time. But then long term, there's issues with it because it is generally attached to your phone. and <laughs> Most yeah. of us really could use time where that is completely we're completely disconnected from that little uh mini brain, right? That we've we've come to carry around. So it can be very helpful to have that in an entirely different room and work with that. So you someone just has to be honest, right? Has to be honest with themselves regarding their relationship (laughs) to their phone and their app in general. And is it it, did the benefits outweigh outweigh the cons?
0: I mentioned walking and Mm -hmm. I I find walking as odd as this sounds, and maybe it's not odd, as very meditative for me as well. Mm. Journaling as as a meditative mm. practice. Um, one of the things I loved that you talked about in the book was what the meaning of yoga was, which was the mm. which the union of uh what was the union of again i have it written down you could tell me because you what's what's yoga the union of again
1: (laughs) well you can put it a lot of different ways no no no. i'm gonna gonna find spirit you can put mind and spirit our little self and our and, and and kind of the self as it's conceived of in certain traditions as source right you can say god spirit it's, it's yeah, union of mind and body, I, others would say. The reason you know? I
0: wrote it down is because, there it is, it's the union. Oh, it means union. You're right. And yeah. so the reason I, I wrote that down is because I believe that productivity is the union between intention and attention. I don't mm. think it's efficiency and effectiveness. So that really struck with me. Mm-hmm. Um. Walk, mm-hmm. it, walking as a meditative practice, like walking meditations, how effective... Are they, are they one of those ones that people will try and is it, or is it, is it one of those things where it can support a more, um, traditional, let's say for lack of a better term, meditative, uh, practice, is it something that augments it or is it something that you could use as a, as a replacement for, uh, yeah. a, a meditative practice?
1: I think it can be all of the above again, depending on what someone's goals are. Right. Okay. So for some, re- for some people walking is more contemplative, meaning. They're actually contemplating things as they walk, and it frees up their awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, solutions to problems come to them, and there's actually been studies, which maybe you're aware of, on why that is. And it's partially this cross-body mm-hmm. dynamic thing, which has a whole neurological benefit in terms of the energy body meridians. It has a benefit. This, you know, this cross action of right arm, left leg. This is really good for our brain to do that. When I think of walking meditation, it's that you're actually trying not to do that. You're trying to disengage from your thinking mind, and you're actually trying to pay attention to the senses, what you're hearing and seeing around you, or your breathing, or your feet on the ground. You're using walking and the space you're moving through and the movement of your body to actually let go of your identification with your thinking mind. I think both kinds of walking serve a purpose, mm-hmm. but that you know, second kind that I'm talking about, where you really are trying to let go of your thinking mind and bring yourself back to the walking itself over and over, has really most of the same benefits as any formal sitting meditation in terms of you know that muscle of letting go of your reactive mind, that tendency to just think without um, any ability to catch yourself.
0: Well, and the reason I bring this up is because I think a lot of people are looking for their gateway in, right? You know, like yeah. the gateway to a practice. Another gateway, we talked about apps, we've talked about like walking. Journaling, I think, is another one because for me, by journaling every night, I'm able to get all these things out of my head, which frees my mind up to yeah. have more bandwidth to do things that are, um, I'm not clod- cluttering my mind with things. I'm able to let yeah. it go. Um, other supplemental elements we're hearing about, you know, like CBD, THC, some of these these, mm-hmm. um, you know, things you take that will uh-huh. help with the practice. Is that something that you really explore all that much with your work? I I didn't get to that point in the book too much, and I don't know if you touch on it in the book because I, I think no. it's something that people are are starting to explore. Is it something that um, again can enhance the experience, or is it more of a ability for people to get into that? Modality of meditation because they're so um, either either anxious or stressed out or overwhelmed that they can't possibly fathom. Well, how am I supposed to sit for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and actually do this?
1: Yeah. I think it can be a bridge or a crutch, right? So if it's a bridge and it's actually creating a reference point for a more relaxed state or a state that feels more self-aware, a state that's more embodied and less identified with the thoughts, then that's great. It can be helpful, right? If it becomes the only way you can experience that, there may be issues with that because we really don't yet know the long-term, if you were to use many of these products every single day for decades, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what the outcome is yet, right? Is that actually, is there really no neurological issue with that? So I think as a bridge, it's great. I would still be very um, hesitant about saying, oh, that's the answer, right? I think uh, the other piece of it is that I do find some of these products are more disassociative. So the kind of states of minds that they take people into are very pleasant but not linked to the body. And because I work with a lot of trauma survivors, that's actually problematic because Mm. healing from trauma in particular really comes from increasing your body awareness in the ways that different emotions and things could have been stored in the body. So for anyone who has experienced trauma, I'm always a little hesitant about it. If it's taking the edge off anxiety, that can be a good thing. If it is actually sort of magnifying dissociative tendencies in the long run it doesn't actually lead to healing so So that's a complicated answer yeah well and so
0: to that end that actually is a really nice segue into the idea of meditation as an escape because that's not what it is either is it exactly is it yeah i mean to me whenever i meditate you all you're you're getting closer to some of the stuff that really frankly matters and and, and and what you just mentioned is, yeah, often these things are used as escape escape mechanisms more than enhancement mechanisms, right?
1: Yeah, and it, it can be difficult to discern. you know this is where the self honesty really comes in or a guide can help because yes, there's value to just feeling really relaxed and that may mean you feel as if you're going away to some extent. and there's value to lowering your stress hormones. When you're relaxed like that, your cortisol levels are lowering. all that's a benefit. But if what's happening day after day after day is you feel relaxed in meditation, but then as soon as you get up, you are irritable and anxious, and there's no shift during your day, then, then it's it's become an escape. It's not actually helping you lower your stress point, and it's not helping you decrease your reactivity, which is ultimately the mm-hmm. goal, right? Yep. So you really have to be honest as to how it's impacting your, your daily life.
0: Now the listener's gonna wanna know, okay, well, when's the best time of day to meditate? Like, should mm-hmm. I meditate in the morning? Should I meditate in the afternoon? Like, what what does that look like? I I think after going through the book, I know the answer, but I'd love for you to share that because
1: yeah. it's, it's well, just- Well, this is one of those where we have the research says, yep. but, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's
0: the word of the day. I mean, we might as well title this the nuance of meditation, like the art and yeah. science and nuance of meditation, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, the research says that first thing in the morning is your likeliest chance of making a regular practice of it, right? Because our day has not had a chance to get in the way. There's also this sense that coming straight out of sleep, you're like resetting your day, right? You're starting fresh. But I think it's really what works for everyone. You know, I actually don't do it first thing in the morning. I need to get through a certain number of my emails out of the way and then do it right Mm -hmm. so there's like an hour of work and then do meditation and i do know people who have successful uh midday or end of day practices so you can play with that as long as there's some regularity Mm -hmm. and commitment to it but you know the general most people especially at the beginning sort of setting that clock 10 minutes earlier that's all 10 minutes earlier and doing it then is a good start
0: I do this exercise with people whenever I when whenever I speak, and I'm doing do, doing it virtually right now because obviously we're in the middle of a of a pandemic, or hopefully not in the middle of it anymore as as we're recording this. But one exercise I I help people with to understand time and the flow of time mm-hmm. and how it alters depending on your scenario is mm-hmm. we do nothing for sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. And I had a client that again this the one client who's like I want to meditate for twenty minutes, and I did this exercise in a coaching call with them. I said okay. We're gonna do. We're, we're gonna sit and do nothing for sixty seconds. And whenever I've done this live on stage, I've I do one of two things. I either shift my body at about the thirty-five second mark, and people are like, oh, oh oh he's about to get up. It's over. <laughs> it's um, almost over. <laughs> or or I stop at forty seconds and I ask people how it felt. I'm like, oh man, that felt like a long time. That felt like forever. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't even sixty seconds. It was it was it was two thirds of that time. But yet, there's moment like throughout the day, like to your point of like, well, my day starts off really quickly and my day can be derailed. The day goes by really, really quickly when you're immersed in things. How how do you get people or how do you help people? And what do you think they can do to get past that uncomfortable feeling of sitting with stuff for one, three, five? I think obviously over time, the comfort level, the more you, you, you do it and the longer you can go, it's like most things you can, you are, the comfort level doesn't, doesn't kill you. I mean, I could tell you when I went on a, a mini retreat my, on my own in, in October of 2020, I did 40 minutes of meditation and it was frankly, at one point it felt excruciating because mm-hmm. I was just like, is it? And it was like running. Cause you know, when you run, and you have that, you hit that wall and then yeah. you break through the wall and it's like, yeah. oh, okay. And that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. So, so for somebody who's struggling with this, man, I'm trying it for like five minutes. It feels like forever. I'm so uncomfortable. I could be doing so many other things during that time. How do you help people break through the bias of yeah. the yeah. fact that it is beneficial and, and just stick with it?
1: Yeah. You know, at the beginning, I actually try to help someone find a meditation practice that doesn't feel like that. Okay. So it could be something that I think there is a time and place for exactly what you're talking about because you learn something as you sit with discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's, that's where growth occurs because you realize things that you didn't think you can sit with, you can Right. And that's how growth occurs. You are able to lean in and release things that you thought you couldn't. Right. But at the beginning, that's not helpful. And for anyone who has any trauma in their background, that's not helpful. Right. So it's important at the beginning to start with just what feels good. So I actually do try to help people at the beginning orient to what meditation actually feels good, whether and that could be gazing a visual like your perfect vacation spot, gazing a picture of the beach that you want to go to, or a candle flame, or a chakra, or affirmations. For people. some people who are really uncomfortable, uh, do, even just doing like an affirmation around something like, I feel peaceful, I feel peaceful, I feel peaceful, 10 seconds of silence, right? And just doing that kind of thing, just giving them something to do will release that feeling of discomfort. And I think that's important at the beginning. Then there comes a place where you're gradually starting to increase your window of tolerance for discomfort. And then it's about breathing into that. What are you actually experiencing, right? Is it physical pain? Is it anxiety? Is it just restlessness? Can you actually try to find that restlessness in your body and breathe into it, lean into it? But to me, that's kind of a second phase practice so that. Uh, people have already developed some faith, kind of, in their ability to sit there.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Is it different for men and women? I mean, that's something that I know you've got mm-hmm. another book called Chakra Empowerment for Women, and, mm-hmm. and there's a focus on that uh, that we mm-hmm. won't be able to get to during our conversation today. Mm-hmm. But uh, is there a fundamental difference between meditation, either the the types of practice, how it affects the different genders? Um, you know, male, male and female genders. Of course, I'm talking about. I mean, I'm not going to get into other other areas. But is it different for for the for, for men and women?
1: I do find some differences at the general level that may not be applicable. And I have I have not seen research on this. In general, women's uh, uh, awareness and their energy bodies. For anyone interested in that piece of it, from an energy medicine perspective, are considered more fluid. So that does mean there tends to be more sort of this sensation of more emotions and more uh more transience in meditation and so for women i'm often focusing more on grounding and centering practices now again this is i'm stereotyping a lot here this is sure. not true for everyone whereas for men there can be a tendency to blank out so there's almost more of a tendency towards rigidity or so the the practice itself and it could be that whole conquering uh, mentality is even more pronounced because of conditioning factors. They will sit there and they will do it. Uh, But then there's sort of this sense they're blanking out almost. They're not actually becoming more aware. And so with men, I'm often initially focused on, a uh, mindfulness of senses, like what's all the sounds you hear or what's all that would be something I might start with. So it depends on the person, but I think that is a general thing that I have seen. For, so with men, I'm trying to really approach meditation as expanding awareness in addition to de-stressing and for women grounding in addition to de-stressing as the entry point.
0: You know, that that's fascinating because as you were talking about this, I thought about like when I've gone to therapy, the same kind of thing has applied where mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, it's mm-hmm. very like, okay, what do I need? And only once you kind of uh, open up, you know, like I felt for myself at least opened up to like, okay, this isn't about like, this is not a magic pill. One's like, let's, we're going to get this done. And you've, there you've won it's more mm-hmm. about the exploration factor and and the yeah. you know discovery and all that stuff um and that's why I find like though it's to me meditation has been the one missing piece that I've always kind of stumbled on or stumble stumbled with is uh, it, and it's because um it it just seems like for me and it has until of course I, I went through a, the book and again mm-hmm. if you haven't picked up the book yet, the art and science of meditation please go pick it up we'll have a link to it in the show notes of course and in the description if you're watching this on YouTube but i just felt like what's the payoff right like cuz the time cuz for me as a time management guy I was like oh well i could be doing other things with this time but you are doing so much with that time in that moment that you don't even mm-hmm. quite realize and i think that's one of the one of the things i want people to take away from this but as mm-hmm. we wrap up here What is one simple action that someone can take if they want to start to either foster a meditative practice that they've already started? Maybe they felt it's become stale or there's some complacency that's set in. Or for somebody who's dabbled in it, like myself, and we want to make it more of a practice, part of the way we kind of operate day to day. What's, What's a simple action we can take to get closer or even making that happen?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. If I had to pick just one thing, it's going to be really ask yourself what might bring some joy into this meditation, because what that hits on is the reward factor and that motivation factor. Then of course we have all the, if I were able to add more things, it would be the whole, you know, pick a realistic goal. I want to up it from twice a week to three times a week, not from twice a week to seven days a week. right? Right. And, you know, have someone witness that right like right. you write it you, you you say it to someone else and you put it in your calendar mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that rules our life now these days right yeah but yeah. the joy pieces is is if there's no joy if all the joy has gone out of it find a new practice for a period of time that really feels like oh i want to go do that
0: this this is actually mm-hmm. something i wanted to address really quick before we go so if somebody's going to start is it better for them to do less time more consistently so let's say seven days a week five minutes as opposed to 20 minutes twice or three times a week like is it is it again is it a personal choice or based on what you your research you've done and, and and your experience in the field which is which is going to be the more sustainable and maybe the more beneficial way for people to go
1: The seven days a week, five minutes. Okay, Because that regularity is more likely to create the neural pathways for it to become a habit. And then later on, if you want to take that to 10 minutes or 15 or 20, you can. So that that daily regularity, it really overshadows everything. But once a week is better than no times a week. So if what's realistic in your life is once a week, then set that once a week goal.
0: Well, let me throw one more thing out there for somebody who's like, oh, that sounds good. I'm like, if you do it every day. And you do it a short amount of time, then you, that winning thing that I was talking about. Well, now you <laughs> now, now you've got this don't break the chain thing going. So yeah. that 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 is really helpful because people go, oh, I don't want to break the chain. I don't want to break the yeah. chain. Um, and and that could be just the the carrot that you need dangled. Lisa, this has been great. Thank you so yeah. much for taking the time today. Again, the book is called The Art and Science of Meditation. Uh, how to deepen and personalize your practice. I've had an absolute blast chatting with you today about this. And again, I, this is, if you want to learn about meditation and and really galvanize that experience for yourself, um, pick up, pick up this book. Uh, Lisa, where can people learn more about you and also pick up a copy of this?
1: Yeah. Well, the book's available pretty much everywhere, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. If you want to support a local bookstore, go to IndieBound.org and it'll tell you what local bookstores carry it or can order it. And you can find me at EnlightenedEnergetics.com or ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. And of course, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as Chakra Empowerment, all of those link to each other. So
0: Fantastic. Lisa, thanks for joining me today on the Productivityist podcast.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's been great.
0: So now you're ready to go and meditate. I encourage you to do so now, but before you do, make sure you check out all the show notes at productivityist.com slash podcast 391. That way you have everything you need to move forward and check out Lisa's work in the process. By the way, you can also check out the show notes in the app that you're using to listen to this podcast right now. And you can also subscribe. So hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode. You can easily find the archives. And you don't want to miss next week's episode because I am finally having Pamela Slim on the program. She is joining me. She's got a new book coming out. I'm really excited. We've known each other for years to finally have a productive conversation with her and to share it with you. I'm really looking forward to it. So make sure you hit the subscribe button now. That's it for today. Thanks for joining me for a productive conversation. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.